Welcome, birders. This is Ed Pullen, your host on the Bird Banter Podcast, where birders talk birding. My guest this week is from Costa Rica, so I can't wait for you to hear Patrick O'Donnell tell his birding story and talk about Costa Rican birding. Costa Rica is a place I cannot wait to get back to, not just because it's great birding, but because my daughter Jean lives there. Uh, she has a place near Tina, Tina Maste uh, in the foot, western foothills, and I think that'll be really exciting to go see her. I, th- I think the birding there is going to be terrific right near where she lives. And it was really fun talking to Patrick today. He talks about one of the differences uh, in birding in the tropics versus more temperate zones is that a lot of the birds there are uh, at low densities. In other words, there's a high diversity of birds in any given place, but a low density. Uh, and they tend to move a lot, have wide ranges. So you have to go to a place maybe several times and you'll see a lot of different birds each time you go. It's not like you go to one place and pretty much get what you're going to get uh, if you look hard. Uh, the birds aren't always in the same place and can be really hard to see. That's certainly been my experience birding in the tropics. A lot of little birds way up high in the trees making a lot of noise and you can't see them. Uh, so it certainly takes some work and time to see all the birds down there, but I cannot wait to go give it another try. I'm definitely going to look up Patrick as a guide when I hit San Jose. I, I know he runs day trips out of San Jose and should be a terrific choice of somebody to show me some birds down there and get me on the right track in terms of uh, getting my tropical eye going a little bit. So I'm excited about that. Anyway, Patrick is my guest today. I hope you enjoy the Bird Banner Podcast, episode number 65 with Patrick O'Donnell. Patrick, welcome to the Bird Banner Podcast. Thanks oh, for coming welcome. on Oh, you're welcome. Yeah, it's, it's great to be here. Thanks for contacting me to do this. I love talking about birds, so it's, it's good to be here. What's not fun? Birdish talking birding. I have to say that's one of the great things about this podcast is I get to talk to people that there's no way I would, I would have a chance to get to know or talk to and learn about the birding world. It's sort of my little way to be a tiny bit of a birding ambassador, spread the, yeah, spread the story. Yeah, that's neat. Uh, anyway. I'm also super excited about Costa Rica. My daughter lives there, spent there for three years. I visited her a couple of times, visited her once in Costa Rica, once in Guatemala. But now she's, uh, she's moved. She's now in the Tinamaste area, south of San Jose. She had been way down uh, on, the, on the Caribbean mm-hmm. side, way down near uh, Panama, at a place called Playa okay. Chiquita. Mm-hmm. It's a little tiny town south of uh, Puerto Nuevo mm-hmm. in Limon. And uh, I went there for maybe two weeks in oh, August. Okay. Oh my goodness, it was sweltering, yeah. <laughs> sweltering hot. And it had just, it had rained so much that the place was saturated with, yeah. with water. And you, you had to be careful not to slip mm-hmm. on the mud everywhere. It was so wet, but it was still a great visit. Yeah. I saw a few things. But anyway, I'm super excited to visit her uh, at a little more elevation or it's mm-hmm. a little bit cooler and uh, have a whole different set of birds. Uh, so you are kind of the guru of birding in Costa Rica. It looks like you've been there for quite a while. Uh, tell me your tell me a Costa Rica birding story, and then we'll get into your uh, sort of how you got. There. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah, I guess uh, yeah, Costa Rica birding story. Um, well, I've been birding in Costa Rica on and off since 1992, since the end of 1992, and uh, and started living here in 2007. So there's a lot there's a lot to pick from. So it's hard, you know, it's, it's hard to think of like best story, but I guess I could talk about the first time I went birding in Costa Rica. You know, if that's, that was memorable. That'd be good. Um, and aside from birding in a backyard near San Jose, which was exciting because I was seeing new birds, even though they were common garden species. Um, uh, we went to 
uh, Braulio Carrillo National Park. So this is a large national park, a large protected area of cloud forest and rainforest that protects high elevations all the way to the lowlands, uh, which is important for a lot of birds that do altitudinal migrations. And as, as luck would have it, it, it lent itself to uh, doing birding by bus. We didn't have a vehicle, so we took a bus from San Jose on the main road that goes over to the Caribbean lowlands and they can drop you off right at this trail, this trailhead. And it, so it only took, you know, 45 minutes, maybe an hour at the most to get there. You dropped off and you're actually pretty much in wilderness. Um, you know, uh, foothill rainforest, mature rainforest, fantastic birding, but little as I knew at the time, it was also one of the more challenging places to bird in the country. As we walk in the forest and, um, you could hear birds singing, calling, you know, all the places. Exciting because they're all new. You have no idea what they are. Yeah, seeing without them. seeing them, couldn't see a single thing, you know, like, but I knew about the possibilities that there and thinking, where are all these birds? They're supposed to be common. But um, the thing is, a lot of them live at low density populations. So if you visit day after day, you eventually see them, but you won't see all of them the first day. Nevertheless, walking through, we eventually ran into a big mixed flock with lots of tawny crested tanagers, other types of tanagers. And uh, uh, we saw a white-necked Jacobin, I remember, flew right up in front of us. We actually saw a king vulture. So we saw some signature great birds. It was, it was a great introduction. Uh, we saw several really cool birds, but at the same time, we got a taste of of uh, how different it was from birding in the temperate zone. The trees were huge, covered in moss. It smelled like a greenhouse, you know? Um, it was real humid, uh, pretty warm. And um, so uh, we went actually back, I think the next day or the day after, and we saw a different group of birds, including a rare bird for there called a strong-billed woodcreeper. And the funny thing is, I've birded mm -hmm. that, that site, you know, dozens and dozens of times since. And I don't think I've had a strong-billed woodcreeper there ever since. It just goes to show it's a pretty good example of, of how uh, those really rich biodiverse habitats are in that they, they always, they're always exciting because you just never know what you're going to see, no matter how many times you go. You know, you get, an, you get an idea of what birds are there, but there's always a chance that you're going to run into something really rare or unusual because something is fruiting that wasn't a few weeks ago, or there's some flower that's flowering, or who knows, other reasons that aren't so obvious. You know, that may always make for exciting birding in places like that. It sounds like it. And uh, so you visited Costa Rica then. I know you've been around the tropics a fair bit. I, I read your bio on your website, and it sounds like you've been to most of central and northern south america mm -hmm. uh, at least a lot yeah, of those yeah. areas uh how did how did that all come about did you live there for a long period of time did you visit a bunch of times yeah How'd so for costa out? rica um i was able to visit here for extended periods because uh i knew uh, i had a connection with a family of a friend of mine and so i would stay with them i stayed with them on a couple occasions beautiful wonderful people you know, very grateful that they let me stay with them and so I could go out birding. Uh, also, another time in Costa Rica, I helped out at a lodge, Luna Lodge in the Osa Peninsula when it was just starting to start up a bird list and, and kind of help them out that way. And so I did a similar thing in Ecuador at uh, Bay of Vista, 
they take on volunteers. Uh, at least they did at that time. I don't know if they still do. But I went there and worked to say like a volunteer doing bird surveys and also kind of helping train maybe one or two of their guides and also doing some bird guiding there. And so that way I could stay somewhere for an extended period of time, you know, with, with, uh, while lowering the cost. And it also works out in seeing birds there because the more time you stay in these rich habitats, you know, the more you see and the more you learn those birds. And then um, for Peru, so uh, I worked as a volunteer on this project involving macaws in Tambopata, Peru. And a similar thing, as a volunteer, uh, I didn't have to pay for any, uh, you know, food or lodging to, in exchange for helping out with this project where uh, it involved monitoring parrots and macaws on clay licks and also doing some tree climbing, going to macaw nests. It's, an it's been an ongoing project there for a while that's supported by Rainforest Expeditions, this uh, company proving company that owns some lodges in a Tambopata. Sure. I've read about clay licks. Tell, tell what clay lick, uh, uh, there's a whole biology behind that. I, I, I sort of remember, tell, tell me about that. I forget that. Yeah, so, so um, parrots and, uh, and macaws and actually mammals too. Quite a few uh, animals uh, seem, now I, I'm not an expert on it, but what I can say is that, um, that a lot of these animals will visit these certain areas where they can eat clay or dirt that seems to have salt and maybe some kind of minerals that they uh, require in their diet that they're not getting from uh, eating fruits in the forest. You know, and that um, it may be because there's, those nutrients just aren't there. Or one other idea also is that clay might uh, sort of uh, help with uh, countering certain chemicals they ingest that are, you know, when they eat That's these fruits. I'm not sure what the current thinking on it is because there's been various studies on it and I haven't kept up on it. But basically they need to eat clay to help with, with countering chemicals or getting salts and minerals or digestion in some way. But uh, basically these animals and parrots and macaws come to these specific areas and they'll visit and eat the clay. And so it makes for this real amazing wildlife spectacle. <laughs> yeah. That sounds like a, sounds like sit down and watch the world yeah. come by. <laughs> Very cool. So you, you've been living in Costa Rica now regularly for mm -hmm. several years and you have a business going on there. Tell me about your business and your guiding business and, and the other. Yeah. Aspects. So basically I uh, guide uh, birders you know, mostly guide, yeah, I guide birders, usually for day trips, day trips to the Polas area. And it's not guiding all the time, just now and then. That, and uh, I also uh, work with uh, local tour companies, especially Lifer Tours, this locally owned company, to try to sell their birding tours and recommend people to them. And then the other thing I do is I work as a freelance writer, often working on some apps that I'm involved with called uh, uh, birding field guide apps, which are digital field guides now for Costa Rica, Panama, and Belize. Okay, very cool. So, you, uh, so you've got a, a varied, uh, you know, varied sort of work that makes it more interesting. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, so I saw that you grew up in Niagara Falls. Uh, cool place, Niagara Falls. I saw it first when I drove, first time I drove across the country, I went through Niagara Falls. So it's like, holy mackerel, what a place. It's really cool. Cool place to grow up, but you got your birding start there at a young age. Yeah, yeah. I started at, uh, at seven years old. 
And I got started by going to, uh, well, looking at books in the local public library. So I was already interested in animals. And uh, looking at books in the kids section, I saw that there were all these different birds that were supposed to live where I did. And uh, I wondered, well, why aren't I seeing these was one thing. And uh, well, and part of the reason was because I lived in an urban area, you know, we didn't have a lot of the common birds you find in the country. And the other thing was, um, I really wanted to see those birds and maybe even to prove to myself that they existed. Birds like an indigo bunting, you know, this brilliant blue bird, you know, it, it was kind of like this idea, like, well, how could that be real? Different warblers. And so it just kind of went from there. I, I guess I wanted to see the birds in the books. And it's been kind of like that for just about everywhere I've gone. You know, I, I look at books and I say, wow, I really want to see those birds. And then eventually I see if I can figure out how to go there, you know, and it's still like that nowadays, really. Yeah. Nowadays, going anywhere yeah. is not easy. <laughs> this uh, immediate time. I was going to visit my daughter in Costa Rica this spring, but it yeah. didn't happen out. Uh, but I'll get there. I'll get there when the, when the country opens <laughs> and it's safe. Anyway, uh, so you've uh, spent quite a bit of time in Costa Rica around the other parts of the tropics. I saw in your bio that you spent uh, time around various places in mm -hmm. North America also. Sounds like uh, you, you did a lot of field work with, mm -hmm. when you were younger. Uh, was that after, uh, did you go to college? Was that after college or how did that work out? How did your education and field experience and all of that I guess it was sort together? of uh, in between. Like um, I did, uh, yeah, while I was going to college, um, I did one or two field jobs. At first, I was majoring in French and education. And then I switched over to biology after going to Costa Rica. And during that switch over to biology, I worked uh, field jobs during the summer, you know, when school wasn't in session. Right. Tell me about some of those field jobs. Uh, so the first one I did was in uh, upstate New York, in northern New York, right near the Canadian border. Um, and it was surveying birds, I think just surveying birds in those parts in wetlands as part of an environmental consulting project. And like many of these bird jobs, they're for about two months on average, you know, when birds are breeding. And so the other jobs were kind of similar to that uh, in Washington state. I worked on a pretty extensive uh, job that was, uh, it was a contract from the forest uh, service to UW, University of Washington. Uh, there were several teams working on this, uh, this contract. And uh, they were working in different forests, or different, different types of cuts, like clear cuts or different experimental cuts in a mature forest, and mostly doing bird surveys, looking for bird nests as part of uh, an assessment to see how different types of cutting could affect uh, biodiversity. Because come to think of it, there, were also, there was also a team for mammals, for bats, you know, for, uh, I don't know about for herps, but um, there were several bird teams. And so we worked, our team worked in Capitol State Forest and the Gifford Pinchot at different sites, doing lots and lots of bird surveys. We were out in the woods most of the time. And um, yeah, in other uh, places I worked was Colorado. I worked a couple times for the Rocky Mountain Bird Observatory, which might be called the Intermontane Bird Observatory now. I'm not sure, but I know they've expanded. And so that, that was fantastic, uh, fantastic scenery. But uh, the, the funny thing is you're on your own most of the time. So you're seeing this amazing scenery and sights and all these birds and stuff, or even bears, but uh, you're on your own. <laughs> so you're not sharing it with anyone, you know? And yeah. this, since this was before digital, digital cameras and social media, you couldn't really share those things, unfortunately, because it would have been uh, incredible. Yeah, they're in there. Oh yeah, lots of amazing experiences. In the, 
in the memory memory yeah. banks rule. That the best the best pitchers are the ones that are in your memory yeah. banks anyway. You know, yeah, they are. So uh, I'm I'm planning to come to Costa Rica. I know it's uh, kind of like quintessential Latin American place to go birding. The echo you know the ecotourism infrastructure is there. The a huge amount of the country is is protected to some degree or other. Uh, it goes from high mountains to to both coasts to cloud forest to uh, you know sweltering uh, lowlands. Uh, I mean, incredibly diverse habitat. And uh, short of a couple of other Latin American countries, has you know one of the highest uh, uh, bird lists that are accessible anywhere. Uh, so I know you lead day trips out mm -hmm. of San Jose. If I were going to come to San Jose and had you know two or three or five or whatever days to to hit you up for birding trips. Where, where would you take me to find, and kind of describe some of those. Uh, I guess the best, probably the best birding trip to do from San Jose, because it's close and you can see a really good variety of endemics, or regional endemics, is a trip that goes to the Poloas area. This is a, a forested volcano that's just outside of the San Jose area. So it takes about 40 minutes to an hour to drive up there. Uh, that area, and then just on the other side of the mountains, uh, you can get to some middle elevations that have a different set of birds. So a trip going up there uh, could yield uh, views of resplendent quetzal. It's not all the time, but they do live up there. Uh, a really good variety of highland uh, regional endemics. These are birds that only live in Costa Rica and western Panama. They're birds like talamanca hummingbird, mm -hmm. fiery-throated hummingbird, along with maybe a dozen other species of hummingbirds. Birds like red-faced spinetail, uh, ruddy tree runner, and uh, uh, spangle-cheeked tanager. A really good variety of birds between the higher elevations and the middle elevations. Some of those trips I've done in a day, you get, you know, you can get 100 species, 80 to 100 species. And that's for like a whole day. Very nice. And a lot of those mm -hmm. are, are, yeah, really, really nice, beautiful birds too. Things like northern emerald toucanet prong-billed barbet, even red-headed barbet, black guan, even Costa Rican pygmyal, a kind of a rare species that's also possible. The bird you try for the most is resplendent quetzal. It's not always there, you know, but sometimes you do see quetzal, black guan, barbets, many hummingbirds, all sorts of other things all in the same day. Okay, so that's a couple of trips. If I was gonna, gonna you know, uh, get you a couple days going and a couple days coming, what other places would you visit? Another you good place visit? to visit, even as a day trip from San Jose. Uh, it's kind of a long trip, but it's a really, really birdy one, is a visit to the Carrara area. And this also, it's because it's pretty accessible. It's only about an hour's drive, or a little more than an hour's drive from San Jose. And it brings you to the, uh, you go to the Pacific Lowlands, uh, where, there, where dry forest meets wet forest. And so because of that ecotone, own this various habitat and it being on the coast you can see a huge number of bird species it really it merits more than a day but even if you go there for a day if you go into Carrara National Park you're pretty much guaranteed to see a really good variety of birds and nice variety of rainforest species like white whiskered puffbird uh, scarlet macaws are pretty common in that, in that area uh, specialties like streak chested ant pitta are possible um, many other birds that move in mixed flocks inside the forest. And then outside the forest, the whole area is very birdy too. You can see a good number of raptors, uh, even shorebirds if you wanted, because there's a, a river delta there. 
And so a day there, you know, if you're birding the whole day and it's, it's a long day and it can be, it's hot, but you could, you could easily see over hundred species, even 120, 130 species. You know, it's pretty, pretty impressive. <laughs> Very cool. Costa Rica is also famed or, you know, well known for its, uh, echo lodges mm -hmm. or, you know, places you can go and just stay for two or three days and uh, if yeah. you set up and great little hikes just out of it. What, what are some of the, the echo lodge sort of destination places in Costa Rica you'd, you'd encourage people to visit? Maybe, maybe some that aren't quite as yeah, well known. So, yeah, there's quite a few to choose from and um, lots with really good habitat, you know, and, and some are more focused on birds than others. Uh, probably the most famous in the country for birders is Rancho Naturalista because that's always been birder focused, you know, for many years since the 90s. And it's a great destination with uh, snow cap, black crested coquette, lots of other species. And if you wanted to hire a guide there, they have some really good uh, local guides. So that's the one of the classic birding lodges in the country. Another classic one is Bosque del Rio Tigre in the Osa. Also, fantastic location, excellent birding, really good local guides. And uh, some of the other ones that might not be as well known are uh, Finca Luna Nueva. I often talk about that place and try to promote it because it's a bit off the beaten track, but it's an organic farm that also has uh, good mature forest, and it's very birdy, uh, lots and lots of species. It's kind of where the foothill forest meet lowland forest. And it's connected to a large area mm -hmm. of forest that's called the Children's Eternal uh, Rainforest. And because of that, it's a very birdy place with uh, lots and lots of species. Uh, probably similar to some other places in the Caribbean, foothills or lowlands. But uh, a place that's also an organic farm. A lot of their produce comes right from there. The owners are also involved in conservation locally and internationally. So it's a good place to support. You know, so that place in mind. That's important. And yeah, and there's lots of other places too. I would suggest to people uh, looking into a place to stay, you know, um, take time to do research to look into all sorts of lodges because there's all sorts of small places that are situated in excellent habitat. You don't need to go to the same places that tours go to because the tours go to places not just for the birds, but also because they need places get, that can accommodate a group that are easily accessible, you know, factors like that. And they're good for birding, places like Arnold Observatory Lodge. I mean, they're, they're excellent, fantastic, and I recommend it. But there are also other places that are smaller that might not be as well known, but are, are excellent birding, you know, depending upon your needs. You know, if you're going with a family or just on your own, you don't need to go to those main places. There's lots of other places that offer the same sort of birding and sometimes even better. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, you write in your blog pretty regularly. Uh, I, uh, I, I just kind of skimmed through it before I got on with you today. Uh, what, what, how do you use your blog? What do, what do you do? You uh, just write about uh, trips or experiences? What, yeah, I guess it's a combination of things. I, I've tried to write something maybe once per week on average since I started it. And I started it thinking I'd write about like living in Costa Rica and birding. So that's why I call it Costa Rica living and birding. But it quickly, <laughs> but it quickly evolved into a platform to just speak about birding really and birds in Costa Rica. And so I kind of write about whatever comes to mind. You know, if, if I've done a recent trip, I'll often write about that. Or if I've stayed at a different place, I'll write about the place. Um, 
If there's some interesting birding news going on in the country, I might write about that. If certain rare birds have been seen, or if I'm just uh, thinking about uh, remembering birding in the Niagara Falls or some other place and want to relate it to Costa Rica, I might write about that. I've also written about identification of different species and things like that. Uh, things that al almost border on um, what, uh, you know, it would be nice to research, or at least other people could take up as research projects. Like kind of recently I wrote about um, a bird called street-tested antpitta, right? So it's uh, an understory species. It's kind of hard to see, like most antpittas. And um, there's two main subs, there's two subspecies in the country, one on the Caribbean side of the mountains and one on the Pacific side. And uh, their songs are uh, a little bit different and so I was writing about how their songs are different in that it would be nice if someone looked into the molecular differences of these birds, looked at their, the genetics of these, because they, they could end up being separate species. Yeah, cool stuff. You, you also wrote, wrote a book, and I, I just downloaded it on Kindle last night when I uh, realized that you'd written it, uh, and uh, have looked at the table <laughs> of contents. I haven't really read it, uh, but I, I'm hoping to. Uh, how, how is that designed to function? It's not really a no. field guide. It's sort of, a, but, it, but it's, it's more than just mm -hmm. a site guide. Uh, it, it looks like it goes into some, some bird identification, kind of a combination of where to go birding in Costa Rica, uh, how to make the tough IDs, uh, you know, the, the problematic identification things and just how to go about birding in the tropics was sort of my take on it. Is that, uh, am I somewhere uh, Yeah, near? I think so, yeah. When I wrote that, uh, that book, and, and thanks for getting it, by the way, when I wrote it, I, um, yeah, I wanted to do something more than a site guide. I wanted to sort of write uh, the most complete information I could think of for, to help with birding in Costa Rica. You know, it's not a field guide or anything like that, like you mentioned, but um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, I tried to be as, uh, as complete as possible on places to find birds and where to look for them. But also, I thought about when I first came to Costa Rica, information I would have liked to have, you know, like how to look for various birds, the difference between birding in the temperate zone and the tropics, you know, how that works out. And then, yeah, I figured I'd put in there too, okay, well, I might as well put in information about identification, you know, for various difficult groups. I, I, I guess I wanted to make something that had as much useful information as possible, you know, for a trip to Costa Rica. It's almost too much information, but hopefully in being a, a, a digital book, you know, an, a, an ebook that uh, the size of it may, doesn't matter as much, you know. I don't have to hire someone to carry it along with me. <laughs> no. Good. Well, I'm excited to look that over because uh, I have to say, uh, I, I birded the, as I said, I birded the tropics only a little bit. I spent a, a trip in, uh, in Guatemala. I visited my daughter and my son there for Christmas a couple of years ago uh, and uh, hired a guide, uh, Claudia, uh, Claudia, I, 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 I've, I blank on her last name, but she and her husband are, or a partner are the primary guides in Guatemala. And spent six days going around the Arenal area. I, I told her, I said, you know, I don't need to see the rarest birds in Guatemala. I don't need to get the biggest list in Guatemala. I want to experience birding in the tropics, various habitats. Teach me how to bird the tropics. Show me some places. And I won't complain about missing a couple birds. And so we, 
we got around. It was a fabulous yeah. trip. She was so talented and so gracious and, uh, and just had a wonderful, wonderful time. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was just, it was almost overwhelming yes, yeah. I mean, to, 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 you know, she, she, because if you don't mm -hmm. know the songs yet and it's a whole, whole, whole new ball game, uh, you know, she, she wouldn't even bother to tell me, I think about two thirds oh, of the yeah. she heard just the ones I might possibly, I, I, I'm guessing. Sure, right. that, but, uh, it, it was, it was, it was really fun. Oh yeah. Really. That, well, that's great. Yeah. That's great. You went there. You're right. It could be overwhelming. And Guatemala is, it's a lot of fun. I went there a couple of years ago with our local birding club. And um, yeah, we, mm -hmm. Claudia, we did the trip with them, with Claudia and her husband and Claudia helped guide uh, part of the trip. It was, yeah, great experience. Yeah. She was really, really gracious and ex extraordinarily mm -hmm. talented. Uh, but uh, so you have a local birding club. Yeah, Tell me about so that. there's a, a few birding clubs in Costa Rica. Um, the one I'm in is called the Birding Club of Costa Rica. It's a club that's, uh, that was started by expats. And they wanted to have an English-speaking birding club. Anyone can join. Um, you know, you don't have to speak English to join. <laughs> Anyone can join. And uh, it's a pretty easygoing club. We only have one annual meeting a year. We have a Christmas party that kind of acts as a meeting. Um, and uh, we have a bulletin that I, that I write that comes out once a month. And we try to do trips uh, at least once a month. And, of course, lately we haven't done any trips. But a pretty easygoing club. I guide most of the trips. Um, we go uh, to all sorts of places in the country. That's what's nice about it. It gets you to all sorts of different places, even places you never think of going. And uh, we often right. do weekend trips, but we also do day trips too. And um, and some people are are kind of more serious about birds, but most people are they just want to get out and and see what they can see, take bird pictures, and have a good time, you know, and socialize. And so it's a it's a positive, really easygoing, fun, uh, fun group. Very nice. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in the we a uh, birding mm -hmm. club here in Tacoma, and it, we just have a lot. The social aspects are really good, and we've got a handful of pretty darn yeah. good birders in the club. We trips. Ken Brown, Ken Brown, oh, yeah. my best birding buddy, is uh, the so the grandfather <laughs> of the club, and he he leads a lot of trips. And I'm he's getting so he doesn't hear so well anymore. So he loves to have me along and. Uh, and uh, so we joke that between the two of us, we, we can make half a bird or at least, and we, uh, we have fun doing that. But we, we, we probably, probably get out on six or seven pretty big trips a year and a handful of little ones yeah. through the club. Oh, cool. and, so that's pretty fun. Yeah. Okay. So you've been to, I saw also that you bur I burned yeah. Thailand. My son is uh, sort of uh, traveling around oh, the yeah. world now. He's uh, kind of a digital nomad, uh -huh. digital nomad, uh, and not, a, not really a birder, uh, but uh I visited him in Thailand last yeah. winter and uh, got out birding just, just a little bit. Uh, what was your Thailand experience? Oh, that, like? that was kind of like a dream come true. That was in, um, before I moved to Costa Rica and I uh, had a chance to travel. It was in January and I was kind of uh, going between Thailand or Malaysia, you know? And so I chose Thailand mm -hmm. and kind of planned out the trip uh, on the Thai birding website. Great source of information. And, um, I think I was there two weeks, maybe a little more than two weeks. I forget, but um, yeah, like a dream come true because um, most, of, almost all the birds were lifers. Uh, you know, almost everything is mm -hmm. lifers. Everything is new. Food was fantastic. A really friendly place. And so um, I also got to see quite a few birds that I'd wanted to see since I was I was little. 
example, birds that you look at and that you find in books of birds of the world, birds like Asian fairy bluebird, a bird I'd always wanted to see and got to see that several times, hornbills, I even got to see a, a pitta, um, all sorts of other stuff, and spoon-billed sandpiper. So I got very lucky with some really mm -hmm. rare birds and fantastic birding every day. And of course, I, I tried to spend all my time birding, you know, it's the main reason I was there. Yeah. So I was, I was very pleased with the trip. I'd love to go back. Great. It was a great time. Did you bird on your own there mostly? Did you have a guide? No, I, I birded on my own for the most part. And with uh, a friend of mine, a Canadian woman, uh, an older Canadian woman met, met up with me in Thailand and also birded me in various places. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, no, we did. Oh, we hired a guide, uh, I guess, once to go into the mangroves at Krabai. You do a boat trip through the mangroves. And uh, so that time we had a guide. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, we, the, the one guide that we would have liked to hire uh, in uh, southern Thailand, in Counter Chuchi, or I'm not sure what the name of the place is now, maybe the Emerald Pools. It's a place where a really rare species called Gurney's Pitta used to live. And... Um, he wasn't available. Otherwise, we'd have hired him and maybe would have seen that, that uh, critically endangered bird. But, uh, but um, yeah, did most of the birding on my own uh, or with Gail and uh, saw, saw all sorts of stuff, uh, well over 300 species. It was, it was great. Very cool. Super. Uh, so other than Costa Rica, if you had to recommend uh, one or two other places in Central America to visit, uh, as a birder, where, where would you tell people? To well, um, I guess Panama at first, it comes to mind. It kind of depends what you're looking for in terms of birding, you know, um, but Panama has good infrastructure. It's incredibly good birding in all sorts of places. And there's all sorts of uh, really good local guides also, if you wanted to get a local guide, some good accommodation too. Mm -hmm. So uh, Panama comes out as a, a pretty easy, good uh, first choice. Um, another possibility is Belize because Belize has a lot of habitat. So it's a good place to see some rare birds like black and white hawk eagle, solitary eagle, orange-breasted falcon. These are birds that are widespread but are pretty rare and so they're hard to see in a lot of places. And Belize also, it's a good place to um, go if you've never birded the neotropics previously because it, it's, mm -hmm. you, you still get a lot of bird species, but you have a less chance of being totally overwhelmed, which could happen in Panama, you know? <laughs> Although the more birds, the better, you know? <laughs> yeah, so there's those places. Um, if, you, if a birder was looking for certain special birds, like a horned guan, then of course, yeah, you want to go to Guatemala um, and maybe also mix a trip mm -hmm. with culture. Guatemala would be a great place for that. Um, a lot of birds, I haven't been to Honduras, but quite a few birders have gone there to a few places in Honduras and had a great time. So if you maybe want to try to bird somewhere that not as many people have gone to and a bit off the beaten track and make sure you see lovely Katinga, Honduras is a good choice for that. Okay, very cool. Uh, so Patrick, I'm going to wrap up a little bit. If people want to reach out to you uh, for, as, a, as a day guide or for other reasons? How would they get uh, If they could go to my blog, then just contact me via the blog. My email is on there. So uh, sending me an email is the best way to do it. Costa Rica Living and Birding. Okay. Costa Rica Living and Birding.com, um, I'm assuming. Yeah, something okay. like that. Or, yeah, or Birding Craft. I think it's that. But yeah, okay. if anyone searches for Birding Costa Rica, Patrick, you probably find me. You know? <laughs> 
Okay, good. I'll put a link in the podcast notes. That's great. Well, Patrick, thanks so much for being my guest today. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm looking forward to meeting you in person when I get to Costa Rica. I'll definitely hit you up for some trips uh, on the way in and out of the country, out of uh, San Jose. And uh, thanks so much. You're welcome. And thank you for inviting me to do the podcast and having this conversation. I also look forward to meeting you and and birding with you down here so you can see all these amazing birds. (laughs) Should be really fun. Thanks again. Take care now. (laughs) Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Well, that wraps up the Bird Painter Podcast, episode number 65 with Patrick O'Donnell. I really had fun talking with Patrick today. Cannot wait to see him in person. He sounds like he's going to be a terrific choice of somebody to show me some birds in Costa Rica, get me uh, my feet on the ground and my eyes on the birds down there. I'm really excited about that. Last week uh, on my on the episode, in the wrap-up, I asked for people to send me suggestions of people that might be good guests. And a friend of mine, Terry Martin, sent me a nice email with some good suggestions. So that's that worked. Send me suggestions. I'm always looking for good guests. And that was really fun to hear from Terry. I hadn't seen her in a little bit. Uh, this this COVID pandemic has put a kibbutz on our ABC birding trips, and she often joins us on those. So we haven't been having those. And uh, so it was nice to hear from her. I appreciate that. Thank you, Terry. Anyway, uh, thanks for listening to the Bird Banner Podcast. Until next time, good birding, good day. <laughs>